You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. Listen to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by JohnnyT-Shirt.com. We're going to uh, do uh, rename this show. Joey Powell and I have been talking about names, and we asked for names for our listeners on Twitter and on the message boards, and somebody suggested to me, what about something to do with the 40 Club? 40 being it's not a four-year decision, it's a 40-year decision that is relevant to our guest here. So Joey and I would like to welcome in Mr. Hakeem Nix. Hakeem, man, it is a pleasure to have you on. Hey, man, thanks for having me, man. Excited about being here on the Zoom. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> so we, we got Hakeem up on the Zoom, up and running on the Zoom. So uh, he's in his man cave. If you're listening to this on YouTube, take a chance to subscribe. Uh, and if you're on iTunes, rate us and subscribe to our iTunes. You won't regret it. But Hakeem, what's been going on, man? I know it's been a while. Yeah, man, uh, man, a lot, man. I've been, um, you know, just trying to do what I can to train some athletes here in my, um, in my area. Um, just join partnership with the D1 out here um, in, uh, in the Carolinas. So I've been doing a lot of training, training young athletes, man. Um, got to start trying to start a little a big brother program over there as well. So, man, we got a lot of good things going on. Um, still trying to do some social distancing camps on the uh, South Carolina side. <laughs> nice. Still, uh, 704, right? Yeah, still 704, though. Still 704. But, uh, you know, it's a little bit different on the South Carolina side with the guidelines and whatnot. So um, so we're trying to put together some stuff out, out there, man, and um, just seeing, seeing what I can do to help. Yeah, that's, that's good to hear. There's a, a lot of opportunities to help a lot of young people these days, especially given all the craziness that's going on in the world. Um, I want to get into that later in the show, but uh-huh. like we were talking before um, we went on air, let me, let me take you way back to your Charlotte Independence days. And uh, I was telling you earlier, the first time I ever heard of Hakeem Nix was in 2004. Uh, my wife's uncle was a defense coordinator at Southview. Crib. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, <laughs> they had played Independence in 2000. Should have won. I, to this day, I think they win if they don't fumble at the very end. But they come back around. Independence, I don't think, had lost a game since. <laughs> we go to uh, Keenan Stadium and roll up in there to watch Southview play your independence team. Tell, tell us uh, about that independence team back then. Man, we was loaded, man. We, I think at that time, and I was a young, and I was a young pup at that time, man. I had guys ahead of me and all of that at that time. Um, we had guys like Muhammad Masquire, uh, Billy Wiggins, uh, man, Redine Ingram, even Mario Rayleigh before them. Uh, man, we had uh, Eric Lyons. So it was, it was stacked at the receiver position at Independence, man. Coach Knox believed in throwing the ball. We probably threw the ball. <laughs> 80% of the game. <laughs> so yeah, that we, was a... We ran the ball in the fourth quarter. That's when we was probably <laughs> winning like 50-something to seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you told your running backs, just sit over there until the fourth. We'll get to you then. Yeah, they – Um, I, I can say that my uncle-in-law did not enjoy playing you guys. Um, he's an old-school guy. So right. <laughs> when, when y'all brought in the sling it all over the field, he was not pleased – but that year, you got some run. You had a lot of guys ahead of you. But talk about going into your senior year there and how it certainly turned for you to be a big-time D1 recruit. Well, yeah, well, my senior year, man, it just got off, got off to the races with a good start. First off, I got to um, get thanks to Coach Knotts, man, for um, even making that connection to Carolina for me. Um, before my senior season even started, he asked me where I wanted to go to school at, and I was kind of like, you know, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't know. And he was like, what do you think about Carolina? And I was like, that's school Michael Jordan went to, right? And he was like, yeah, yeah, what you think about it? I think it'll be a good fit for you. 
And I'm like, okay. So we went up there. Um, John Bunning was the head coach at the time. Met with them before my senior season. Offered me a scholarship off of Coach Knott's word. And um, Coach Knott's told him, man, if y'all don't offer this kid now, by the end of his senior season, he's going to blow up and it might be too late. So Coach Bunning took his word, offered me that scholarship, man. And I got off to a little slow start due to a little hit point I started with. Maybe the maybe the first two, three games, I want to say my senior year. Then after that, it was off to the races. And I finished my senior season, um, number one in the state, over 20 touchdowns, 1,900 receiving yards. And it was just off to the races from then on. So for everybody listening and watching, Independence was as close to, like, Texas or Florida big-time football yes, that we North was. Carolina had in the late 90s, early 2000s. And, Hakeem, what was it like to go from a guy that was the guy on the biggest stage in high school football coming in as a freshman uh, to Carolina and a freshman who played? Like, what was, what was that transition like for you? Oh, well, I just actually told this story yesterday to my, uh, to my guys I was training, man. Um, when I got to Carolina, I think – well, first thing first, Coach Nice told me it's different on a college level. You're not going to win every game. So he, he groomed me to that beforehand. So he said, no, you ain't going to win every game in college, but it's about competing and being competitive. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some. So he already groomed me to that. He said it's not, it wasn't going to be like high school, like how we win every game. But my, after the first game against Rutgers, I had a pretty good game my freshman, uh, freshman game. So I think everybody was looking at me to see how I was going to take losing my first game ever. <laughs> so Ronnie McGill, uh, Jesse Holly, all those guys just looking at me like, how he going to react? How he going to react? <laughs> you know, but then I was just like, well, I, you know, I was groomed for it. You know, coach did tell me you can't win them all. But I had a pretty good outcoming game, you know, to my college career. So I think that kind of made me feel good about it or whatnot. So, um, yeah, man, it's just – it was just a great time. So that first year, uh, you got to play a lot as a freshman. But then you dealt with the coaching change. How was yes. that transition? You know, I, that I just asked very you quick. Yeah, well, I mean, so you go from transition from high school to college, and then you go from transition from the coach that recruited you into a new coaching staff altogether. What was your memory of that, or how do you remember that, and how did you take to it? Um, well, I think uh, that whole transition, it was a situation that was really out of my hands. I was just in a situation where it was just like, okay, I got to just play ball now. But – um. Coach Knotts had told me, I had, I remember when it happened, I called Coach Knotts and I was like, hey, Coach, um, Coach Bunning, Coach Bunning gone, man. I don't know. Like, you sent me somewhere where the coaches changed and all that. He was like, what? And, you know, I think he made a few phone calls and he called me back and was like, don't worry, got a good coach coming in. And, you know, he didn't really tell me the name or nothing at the time. He was just like, I'm sure y'all got a good coach coming in. You, you're going to be gonna be just okay. You're going to be fine. Just, you know, keep it you know, keep it football and everything else to take care of itself. And so, that's what I did, and it did. It took care of itself. So you go from Independence, where you never lost a game, to Carolina, where y'all lost. I think the worst loss that season was at 52-7 to seven Clemson. at Clemson. Mm -hmm. Ooh, yeah, um, I remember that. <laughs> but, but maybe the at least the highlight for me for that season was going to Notre Dame. Uh, you guys didn't win. Um, but I think but Carolina balled out though, showed yeah. out. Talk oh, about yeah, that, was, that, talk about that experience. Yeah. What was that experience like playing up there at Notre Dame? That's the biggest stage in college football or was at the time? Actually, I remember having a, a conversation with Tremaine Goddard, um, as they was taking us through, cause you know, I know the name, they got like the, the hall of fame or whatever, where they put all the players mm -hmm. from college football up and stuff like that. And we were just going, and they were showing us all these different great college players. And me and Tremaine, as me and Tremaine was walking, I remember saying to him, I said, they gonna remember me in this college um, little Hall of Fame as well too. And I was a freshman and we were just talking to me and Tremaine was talking and I said that, and then I went out there and had a, a great game. So, and then when we seen him again, my junior year had another great game. So I think they nicknamed me the Irish killer after that. <laughs> <laughs> Just six receptions for 171 yards and two touchdowns. That's all. Hey, that's it. <laughs> I was just doing my job. <laughs> what, um, talk about when Butch Davis came in. How was that? 
because he uh that was that was Carolina's first trip into big time football when Butch right. comes in. Right, How man. Um, Butch Davis was a great coach, man. I don't I don't have not one bad thing to say about Butch, man. Um, still talk to him to this day from time to time, man. He was a great coach, man. Um, I think he took all of our games to the next level with that coaching staff that he brought in. Man, I remember our first spring, um, spring ball, how high intensity it was. It was just an intensity level that we wasn't used to. And it was just NFL ready. And I, I can honestly say that um, the way Butch came in and had us, you know, college ready. I mean, he had everybody that got drafted from under his era. I think they adapted well to the NFL just because his scheduling and his his methods behind everything and the reason why he was coaching the way he was. And he had a good job of making us believe in him. You lined up against some really, really good DBs when you were at Carolina. Who was the best? And this is a two-parter. I'm going to ask you the second part in a little while. Uh, who, was the be- who was the best college player you ever lined up against? Oh, man. That Virginia Tech defense was was something a little bit tricky. Macho Harris? Yeah, uh, I would either say him or Brandon Flowers. Two yeah. two really, really rangy guys, too. I could yeah, see yeah. A, but, a and I would say I, I got a chance to see both of them on the next level, too. And Flowers was still just as competitive um, as he was when I faced him in college. But in college, it, it would have to be him. I would have to, yeah, I would have to go with Brandon Flowers. That's probably one of the toughest, toughest competitors I had to line up against. And every time I lined up against him, I said, man, I got to work. Like, I have to work because I know he was strong. He can hit. He was going to jam you no matter yeah, what. Yeah, he was going to jam up. He was going to do all of that. So, I think that was my first time having to go through, like, a jamming situation where he used to try to jump jam and all of that. And I was like, I was like, okay, this college now. <laughs> when did you know, and I know you said it when y'all were touring the Hall of Fame at Notre Dame or at South Bend, but when did you know for sure – um, that you were going to be the guy for Carolina and, and then in the future? Honestly, I never really looked at myself that way. I always just wanted to play ball. And in between those lines, I just like to turn up and have fun, man. Um, it's just It just brought me an excitement that I love having um, playing the game of football, man. I, I love when the ball was just in my hands and I could just do something special when all the eyes was on me. What about your sophomore year? I think you set the school record at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you go into your junior year, you're getting all the hype. That's 2008. You mentioned the Notre Dame game in 2008. Uh-huh. Remains my favorite game in history at, Cur- at Keenan Stadium. What was it like playing on that kind of stage? Because that's when Butch Davis's methods and all you yeah. talked about started translating into Carolina being at right. another level. How, right. how was how, how was that experience? Uh, man, it was awesome. It was awesome. Everything that came with it. I think that uh, our players were psyched up about it. Man, we believed in one another. Um, man, every guy was for one another. Man, our defense. I think everybody in our defense that year was ranked like ranked. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Like, absolutely. and and they position from Deontay Williams to Kendrick Bernie to Denora Cersei to. Uh, Bruce Carter, <laughs> you know, man, all those guys that I came in with, man, we we just turned it up another level, man. And granted, I wasn't there for my senior year to play with those guys, but man, we we had some we had some good times together playing on those fields. Talk about good times. What was your what was your favorite part of playing at Carolina? And it doesn't even have to be a football thing. I mean, what what do you remember most about being in Carolina? Man, I think just mostly, man, just the atmosphere, um, the brotherhood, mainly the brotherhood, man. We was all like brothers, man. We did everything together, like the whole team. Like we, from study hall to just, you know, going out on Franklin Street, man. It was just the brotherhood, man. Just can't explain it. You know what I mean? It's just something that you got to go through, the brotherhood at Carolina. Just being a Tar Heel, man, we just, we just take pride in it. Uh, West Virginia Bowl game. We talked oh, yeah. when we were texting earlier. We <laughs> talked about the catches. I still think the uh, catch at Duke doesn't get enough uh, hype because of David Tyree, your teammates. Right. Uh, catch. <laughs> but the catch at Duke, 
for me is one of the best ever. What do you remember about that West Virginia game, that catch specifically? Man, I just remember it was in Charlotte, in my <laughs> hometown, in my backyard at the Panther Stadium. Steve Smith was there at the time, and he had been to a few of my high school games as well with Musa Muhammad. And then they had seen me before the game, and they called me out. I was like, hey, man, we watching you today. You better have a good game. <laughs> no pressure. So I was like, okay. I said, Steve Smith just said something to me. Musa Muhammad, we in Charlotte. Like, I got to go hard. <laughs> so it was just a matter of being in my backyard where I grew up at. Everybody that watched me play high school ball was there. And then it was just my first bowl game. Mm -hmm. And anytime, you know, if you could look, you could check the track record or my resume, man. Anytime I'm, I hit another stage or something to where I haven't been, I just take my game up to another level because I just want to be defined as the best in whatever category that you want to grade me in. So um, I just went hard, man. I just remember thinking to myself, like, I'm about to try to do something real special this game. And that behind the back catch came really on just me trying to catch the ball. Um, I stuck my hand back. TJ threw me a shallow cross where I really should have sat down because <laughs> it was his own defense. They just dropped. I really should have sat, but I kept on the move. So TJ was actually throwing the right pass. He was trying to make me stop and sit down, so he. but I kept going, so it ended up going behind me, and I just stuck my hand out. And once I felt it stick to my hand, <laughs> I for an initial second, I tried to go through my legs uh -huh. and then said, nah, that's not going to fit. Let me just go <laughs> around my back. And it seemed like that whole play was like 10 seconds, but when you watch it, it was only like two, <laughs> two or three seconds. But a lot, a lot happened in that one play, though. So – couple things, actually three things I want, to, I want to bring up about that play. This is the one where we were texting. I was like, yeah, we got to talk about this. So the freakish part about it, I think, in addition to going behind your back, was you went behind your back opposite of the way you were going. So you were going across the field and went with your left hand behind your – as your body was turning, which is just – if you think about physics and gravity – yeah. None of that makes sense. Well, you none got me that... looking at the picture in my man cave. I'm like, did I do that? None of <laughs> it makes sense. And then, and then when you brought in the part about trying to go between your legs, it's like, all right, whatever. Another thing <laughs> that I distinctly remember about that play is after the play is over, like you can see it when it happens, the safety number 31 for West Virginia comes up and he thinks he's getting, you know, he thinks the play's over, like just about everybody in the stadium did. They thought right. the play was over. He has you hemmed up. You keep going he, and you kind of see him drop his shoulders. After the play, they're going back to the sideline when they're resetting the chains and all. He's just standing there looking at the sideline with his hands up like, what do I do? I mean, it was, just, it was the most ultimate kind of, kind of mic drop, uh, you know, get buddy off the sticks type moment that I, I think I've right. ever seen in live college football. So, right. anyway, it, I, I went back and watched it earlier this week when I knew we were going to talk to you. And just the, the, the gravity and the physics of that play don't make sense at all. So congratulations oh, yeah, I mean, for defying science, Hakeem. Hey, I appreciate that, man. I just stuck my hand out. <laughs> That's uh, all I did. Speaking of those hands, everybody talks about them. How, what size glove do you wear? Legit. 4X. 4X. 4X yeah. So we were looking at um, – I've got a set of Mike Hollins' gloves over there behind me, and they're XLs. So how much bigger are 4X than XLs? Like, uh, let's see. And, and folks, yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, folks, you're getting a treat to Mr. Nix's man cave. That's a yeah. 4X set. I mean, you can't just go grab some. That's 4X out of the, too. You can't just grab some of those out of the equipment room, right? Like, you have to have a certain amount of those made just for you in your locker. Those actually were the ones I wore in the Super Bowl. And these were the ones I wore in the Duke game for that catch, actually. Right? Nice. Oh, wow. Nice. By First the way, I, I want to make sure everybody remembers. I want to make sure everybody remembers that West Virginia Meineke Car Care Bowl game. Just a pedestrian 217 yards and three touchdowns in your last college game. I could see, I can see why the NFL <laughs> was calling because everybody saw that game and it was just okay. This this guy can play on the next level. Oh yeah, I was I was ready, man. I was ready for that next level, hands down. Once uh me and Butch had that talk and we you know weighed the options, you know he left it up to me to make the decision, the total decision, and um I just felt like I was ready at the time. Describe the feeling of getting drafted by the Giants. You go to Man. 
probably the craziest market there is in, in pro sports. Right. And you're, <laughs> and you're a guy from Charlotte Independence through Carolina going to the New York Giants. What was that like? Man, it was great, to be honest with you, man. Um, I had heard throughout the whole draft process that I was going 29th to the Giants. But I, it's just something like you hear a lot of things. I heard Minnesota was going to take me, and they took Percy Harvin. I heard uh, Philly was going to take me, and they took Jeremy Macklin. So you just never know. You just never know. So I think um, I was just more so like just waiting for my name to be called on draft day. And right when honestly, I was just like I knew I would – I had faith that I would go first round. But if I went second round, I was just going to go out there and prove myself. So it wasn't ever like, oh, I got to go first round. I got to go first round. I just wanted to get to that next level. And, you know, I was just unfortunate and blessed enough to go first round. And the Giants, thankfully the Giants, you know, selected me the 29th overall pick. And after that happened, man, I just wanted to go in and prove to them that that pick was worth it. Let me break in here, take a quick shout out to Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Of course, they're sponsors of this podcast. Great friends of Inside Carolina. 10% off your everyday order if you are an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber. They're always having sales, always having uh, your best items, your best Carolina items on their website, in their store. Uh, give them a shout out, visit them on the web, order what you need. Customer service is A1, great sponsors of Inside Carolina Podcast. I'm going to take another short break, uh, let the national guys do their thing. We'll be right back with more Hakeem Nicks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We're back. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by johnnytshirt.com. I got Joey Powell beside me, and we've got Mr. Hakeem Nix with us. You mentioned the guys that went before you. Did that sort of put a chip on your shoulder? A lot of guys talk about that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, everybody want to be the first receiver taken, but I don't, you know, it, the way the draft is, everything is slotted. So it's like you always want to be the first receiver taken, but, you know, you understand the draft. Kind of glad I ended up where I ended up, <laughs> you know, because, uh, you know, I got a Super Bowl out, out of it. I was playing for one of the top organizations in the NFL um, from ownership standpoint. So, man, I created some great relationships that I still um, hold on to to this day. And, um, man, I love New York just like I love Charlotte. <laughs> you talked about the situation you went into when you got to New York. They had just let go of Plaxico Burris, who had been their number one guy for a long time. Here you come, you know, very heralded, very accomplished, uh, early entrant out of college, out of North Carolina. But, again, you're walking into that media market, and you're walking into playing for a guy that already won a Super Bowl and Eli Manning. What was your right. relationship like with him? How did he lead you on? How did you guys mesh? How did he kind of bring you into the fold? Because if a quarterback doesn't click with his receivers, especially the young pups, right. it's not going to work. Can you share with us a little bit about how that process went for you? Yeah, most definitely. For, first off, man, shout out to Eli, man. That's like, that's like a good friend of mine. You know, we, talk, we still talk often to this day. 
But um, man, Eli, man, I have to give a lot of credit to him, man. He taught me how to be a pro. Along with all the guys that was in the locker room, like Justin Tuck, O.C. Umiyor, um, man, we had, when I came in, I was like, I was 21, and everybody else was like upper 20s. Everybody had like <laughs> at least six or seven years on me. So I was really like the little brother in the locker room. And they, they all kind of just took me under their wing, man, because they, they knew I was a football player. They, they liked my style. They liked everything about me, what I brought to the table. So it was kind of easy for me to blend in. But those guys, I kind of seen how they would be the first ones at the facility in the mornings, meet and start at 7.55 Coughlin time, which is really 7.50. <laughs> so, you know, they, and they was there at 6 o'clock every morning. So those things, I just seen them do it. And Eli, man, Eli used to be in there at 5.30, 6 o'clock every morning faithfully studying film. On Tuesdays, on off days, he's in there. I used to go in there, sit with him, and he used to tell me, hey, on this look right here this Sunday, I need you to do this, I need you to do this, this. And I would just be taking my notes, and then we go out there on Sunday, and it happens just like that. Maybe not to the T, but, you know, to a form of the matter that he was just presenting it to me in meetings, it would happen somewhat like that. Thanks for sharing that. That's a relationship that a lot, I think a lot of our, our listeners and, and subscribers don't really get to hear the inside of is that between a, a, a gunslinger and his receiver. But you also mentioned Tom Coughlin in there. Yeah. Tom Coughlin is not as much of a player's coach as some other guys have been, if you believe what you read. What man, I love like TC, man. Coughlin? That's my coach. That's my coach like right there. Hey, right, man, Coach Coach Coughlin, man, any real football player going to like a hard coach. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Any real football player, if you, if you got that, that grit in you, man, you, you, you love that them tough coaches, man. Cause it, it not only teach you football, but it teach you like how to carry yourself in life too. And coach Coughlin was one of those coaches that, you know, he'll see a quote, he'll post a quote and then have you thinking all day or all week. And, you know, just, he was one of those guys, man. So I hat goes off to coach Coughlin, his whole coaching methods, man. And the staff that he will have with them was always on the same page with him as well. So, man, Coach Coughlin, man, he's definitely – maybe when – before I got to him, he was like, you know, how everybody say tough and, and all. But by the time I got there, they say he lightened up a little bit. But <laughs> I do recall – I do recall one situation. Um, rookie year, training camp, still on two-a-days. <laughs> so, hamstrings, you know, rookie year, this is the longest season. So, you go from – Playing in that bowl game, going to training for the combine in January. Combine, go through all that. Then you go get to the draft. All that. Then you got mini camps, rookie mini camps, all of that. Then you take a break. Then you're training for training camp. Then the season start, you in camp. So you just look up. You're playing football for a year straight. You know what I mean? So my body, start, <laughs> body started getting tired seven days in to seven practice. And we already had like three two-a-days hamstrings start biting so i <laughs> and you know it's the first round pick so general manager and the trainer like well shut him down so they shut me down after practice so coach Coughlin came up to me in, in a meeting and said hey what's this i'm hearing about about a hamstring i said, <laughs> I said nothing coach it's okay it'll be good i'll be all right he said so you're gonna practice tomorrow i said yes sir yes sir i'm gonna practice <laughs> not knowing that the trainers shut me Oops. down <laughs> so I told him I would practice. So I'm walking out to the field. I don't see my helmet in my locker. And so I'm like, man, what the heck is going on? So I go to the trainer and said, they said, oh, yeah, you're not practicing for a couple of days. We got to let your hamstrings calm down or whatnot. So I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I just told Coach Coffin I was practicing. So I said, hold on, Oops. man. I, I said, I can practice. I said, I can practice. They were like, no, uh-uh, shut it down. They were like, Coach Coffin going to get on you, but it's okay. I was like, man, what? So I'm going to the flex and stretch line. You know how you walk to the field. Normally I get out to the field a little early. So I get out there like a little late or whatever, come out with the guys. So he, Coach Coughlin's trying to make his way to me. So I'm on the left side of the field. I see him walking over there. So I ease <laughs> over to the right side. Ease over to the right side. So then he start walking to the right side. I ease back over to the left side. <laughs> so he said, okay, I'm going to wait to flex and stretch where I can't move. So we stretching in place, and that's you know I just hear this voice walk up to me. He said, "Are you sh- in me?" <laughs> I, said, I turned around. He said, 
our, he said, our first round pick. He said, our first round pick out with hamstrings after seven days of practice. He said, if I could say, he said, if I could say all the stuff I wanted to say to you right now, your ears would be ringing for three months. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay. He is for real. That's a little football coach for <laughs> How was that? Uh, that's my Coach Coughlin story. That's, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I agree with what you said. Real football players and real athletes enjoy a tough coach. Right. I mean, coaches can go overboard, but for the most part, hardcore coaches are the ones that have the most love from their former players. You agree with that? I agree with that. It's like father to son. Yep. We, uh, we're, we're in New York, and, and Super Bowl Forty Six comes up. How yep. does how, how Hakeem Nix take all that in and, and feel about that? Man, boy, that feeling, I think, like, it was just a bunch of emotions. I remember being on that field in pregame, and I just kept my helmet on because, you know, I, I got gloomy-eyed or whatever just thinking about my whole life, you know, thinking about how I came up and just to where I was that day and that time and how in my life that, you know, I, um, I been through certain things and I made it through all of that. So all of that kind of weighed in on my thoughts. And before the game, I was just like, man, I can't, I gotta go super hard in this game right here, you know, cause ain't no telling if you can get back. I've heard, you know, speeches that whole week prior to man, from the 2007 Super Bowl team, they thought that they was gonna um, repeat it and go right back. Um, I'm sorry, my dog just walked in the, walked in the house. But, uh, it's all but, good. Um, yeah, so uh, they, they was telling stories about how they repeated, thought they was gonna repeat the 07 and it didn't happen. And they thought they were gonna go back the next year, it didn't happen. So I've heard talks like that. So I was like, man, you know what? I need to make the best of this, you know, this time being here because, you know, you never know if you're gonna get back, obviously. You say you're going to get back, and that's what you work for every year, but you, you just never know. So I just wanted to leave it all on the line. It was a bunch of emotions, me thinking of how I came up and me being in that position and actually being in the Super Bowl. So, man, I think um, everything, man, just my emotions, everything just was all on the field. It's getting you right now, isn't it? Just think about it. I'm, I'm telling you. <laughs> Is everything, that you? Everything was just – it was great. And you say that's your jersey behind you from the Super Bowl and the gloves. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. That's it right there. Nice. So, go ahead. Well, I don't want to jump too far, but so you you guys win the Super Bowl. How difficult is it? If, If you can explain it as a player, and you did just a little bit there, how difficult is it to get back versus getting there the first time? Oh, man, it's not easy because you got 30 31 other teams trying to do the same thing you just did. And then you're a marked man now. You're a marked team. You know, everybody want everybody to beat you. So it's that much harder. So leading up to that Super Bowl, too, I, I want to make sure we call attention to this. That 2011 playoff run, 444 receiving yards in four games. Yeah. Most of those are records, playoff records for the Giants that still stand. And I think uh-huh. they might be NFL playoff records for a four-game span. Yeah. Now, you were able to do all of that despite not playing in, you know, the spread offense that everybody has right now. Do you ever wish you would have played in a spread? Nope, because the ball would have went to too many other receivers. <laughs> now, you know what? Points for that. I would not have expected that answer. Most receivers are like, yes, I would have had more passes. But you know, that's, that's a great point if you've got more I like, guys fighting I like, I like the them old school offenses, man. Give me a fullback, a running back, two receivers, and a tight end. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of people fussed about going back to the Carolina days. A lot of people give John Shoup hell for that offense he had at Carolina. Sounds like for guys like you, it was perfect. Oh man, that was the same offense we was running in New York. Mm-hmm. That's when I'm like, man, the way it panned out, me going to New York, me and TJ Yates had to sit down the 07 Super Bowl year for the Giants. Me and TJ Yates sat down with John Shoup and watch that whole season, like, just Eli to Plexico Burris. Eli to Plexico Burris. And then it was just ironic that I ended up going there. And all we, we ran the same offense from putting the X singled up backside, giving those individual tag routes, to just letting me run my shallow crosses, catching it in the middle, and, and just getting busy like that. Let me run my end cuts. Terminology you know. was different, or was it about the same? 
Well, it, every offense terminology could be different, but right. it's all it's pretty much all the same. I will say there was a lot of similarity between, like you said, catching those those middle slants and then hitting the afterburners. You saw a lot of that. I think one of them jumped off the absolutely jumped off the screen at me was that uh, playoff game in Green Bay. Oh, I think I'm about the one in Green Bay where okay, you, you, I think you caught it around the 50. And you know, bounced had, off the hit. Bounced off of two guys, went back, you know, went back to the side you came from, and just uh-huh. that was it. And, and there, oh, there's yeah. no reason that play should have gone for more than the catch. He didn't but, wrap up. He, <laughs> he, he barely <laughs> hit you. That was the funny yeah. part. He, he went in for a kill up, shot man. and missed. Yeah, you got to wrap up. You got to. Hey, this is a big body right here. It ain't going to go down too easy. <laughs> you remember the play, you, and I'm bouncing all over the place. You remember the play against, I believe, Virginia at Carolina yep. when you drug like yep. three or four of them? Sophomore year. Same, Same time. Sophomore year. I think so, yep. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So, the Giants, uh, you move on from the Giants, go to the Colts, stay there, go to the Titans. How was it as a guy who was – like you mentioned, physically imposing. How was it when the body starts breaking down a little bit? Man, that was that was the tough part. Yeah, that was the tough part because your mind and everything, like you still you still got it. You know what I mean? But your body's just saying something different. You know, injuries start adding up. By that time, I think I was seven surgeries in. Was I was having a certain uh, – man, both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, both. So it was just a matter of, man, just – it was either take some time off and try to come back and get get healthy, take some time off and get healthy, try to come back, or just keep pushing or just hang it up. And just hanging it up, I wasn't just willing to do that. Like, right. I don't know. That that's not an easy thing to do, Not especially when you're a competitor like me. You know, you try to find ways. Like, especially when you know you play games on broke toes and, and stuff like that. Like, man, I can still do it. I can still do it. I can still do it. But reality sets in every now and then. you like, okay pain is pain so what's that internal conversation like when you realize okay my body just isn't what I want it to be anymore and I think even like even all of us guys who've never even sniffed you know college football much less the NFL won a Super Bowl we all start feeling like when your body starts breaking down and it doesn't do what you thought it would do but as a guy at the top level of a sport the top level like literally can't get any higher than winning the Super Bowl what does right. that conversation sound like for you in, inside between you and your, in your head and kind of rationalizing all that? Well, I had – first off, I had to take all the feedback I was getting. So, you know, I would talk to um, coaches and my agent or whatever and just get the feedback and be like, okay, speed ain't up there like it used to be. And in my head, I'm like, okay, I was never a speedster, but I was fast. So – it was a matter of, okay, do I want to work on that? Do I want to set time working that? So for a year, I did that. And I was just like, okay. And I felt like my speed, everything was good. Me personally, I felt like I felt good. Mm-hmm. And then it got to situations where I wasn't a special teamer. So, you know, teams I was going to, I would be that third receiver, second receiver, but I would have to play special teams. And I didn't have really had that on my resume. And right. then, you know, veteran minimum versus paying a younger guy they could do more, you know, that started weighing the options and whatnot. So it was just a matter of business then. And once I stood, understood the business side, I was okay. I was okay with myself knowing that it wasn't talent. You know, I was like, okay, it's just business. Cause at the end of the day, if I was a businessman, I probably would do the same thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I just put, I just put myself in that mindset of business over feelings and man, just keep on keep on moving. It's like you don't retire, just change lanes. That's yeah. growing up, man. That's that's just growing up in a nutshell, ain't it? Yeah. How would you say for your expectations versus how it turned out? I feel like my career turned out great. Mm-hmm. Got two good jerseys behind me. Yep. <laughs> you know, got a beautiful family. Got kids. I'm with my kids every day. My oldest, twelve year old, she's like in gymnastics, she's great. My son just turned five. He's he loves. He can't get enough of the football field, or <laughs> or my training facility. Every time I go, I gotta take him with me. <laughs> so that's what it's all know, about, right there. Yeah, man. My youngest, she's one. She'll be two in October. So, man, I, I just man just spend time with my wife, and my kids, man, and you know, just give back to the young now, the youth, and uh, just train. 
and I, I'm still in shape. <laughs> so well, that you, ain't you look change. exactly the same. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, I guess got, you got got a little beard now. Grew my beard out a little bit. Blame that on. Hey, blame it on COVID. <laughs> yeah, that's what I say. It's, it's white because of COVID. Yeah, right. <laughs> what um? So you talked about giving back, and one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you is the gift to Chapel Hill. Yeah. But I want I want to, you know, I don't know how if, if it's a sim- sensitive subject or whatever, but talk about until the gift came about. Talk about your relationship, if you can, with UNC. Because right. we all know uh, what went on for a few years. Um, from Hakeem Nick's standpoint, talk about that relationship. Um, well, I, I'd never, never spoke bad or said anything bad about Carolina because I knew – what was that state was just something that it was the protocol that just had to go through whatever they was going through at the time. Um, me having the biggest name at the time while that went down, I could see why they would trace my name to things. Um, but one thing about it, man, I never stopped claiming it. I never stopped claiming the university. I never stopped claiming Carolina. Um, it was just a matter of those situations and stipulations that was at hand between guys that was there um and you know whatever whatever the situation was the things that they were doing but i think um you know everything happens for a reason and i think you know the truth truth came out so you know that's why i'm here on uh inside carolina with you guys so you (laughs) you took that all of your career what you learned the nfl what you learned at carolina and then you parlayed that into something really awesome in your gift back to the Rams club and to the athletic department. Yeah. And then what you gave to the football program. How did you come to that? Yeah, I'm assuming it was a decision between you and your wife. And, you know, there was probably a lot of conversation about that. Right. Would you like to share a little bit about what compelled you to make that gift or what really tugged at you and called at you to, to give back to Carolina in that way? For, uh, well, for one, I just wanted to be on the right side of the history books. You know, for one, that was first and foremost. I was like, let me be on the right side of the history, man. I don't. That's powerful. Yeah, man. I don't want to be on the the wrong side of the history book. So, I'll just, you know, show forth patience. Um, throughout my life, I had to show forth patience through a lot of things. So it was just another situation where I had to show forth my patience, um, and just don't say nothing. I didn't. I, it was nothing I really knew about. It wasn't nothing I didn't. I didn't even know what was really going on. I just knew my name was tied up in a bunch of things. And I couldn't really address it at the time because I didn't want to, I was in a situation where I was in the biggest market in New York. Mm -hmm. So it could have distracted my team at the time with the New York Giants. And I'd never want to be a distraction to my team or teammates. So it was just something I always just kind of just kept on the back burner and then you know, once I was able to address it, I addressed it. Um, I was able to address it once, you know, Coach Mac Brown, shouts out to him, man. He did a lot to get me back, come back around as well, too. So um, I think, you know, once I started seeing and that, that they was trying to sift, sift it out, just took a process, you know. It was just a process. That's all. That's how I look at it, man. They had to sift through it and figure out what was really going on. And, you know, come to find out that I didn't really have nothing to do with nothing. <laughs> it was just... You know, so it was a matter of me, man, just wanting to give back, man, and being able to help another guy in my position that I, the way I came up, you know, with a scholarship. So, man, it's just being tied to the right side of history, man, to sum it all up. So what do you think about some of the guys that are in that wide receivers room right now? I mean, I saw a picture of you in a – by the way, shout out to whoever your tailor is – but I saw a picture of you in a bright blue Carolina blazer speaking at practice, which that the drip on that blazer was amazing. <laughs> but you, you, what do you think about the guys that you were speaking to at that practice and the guys that are in that Carolina wide receivers room right now? What, what are your thoughts about those guys? Man, those guys are some athletes, man. Those guys, uh, uh, here go my kids coming down right now. What's up, Munch Munch? That's a regular thing, by the way, now. The same <laughs> right. thing with the Norris and his kids. So I guess it's a thing look, now. We're okay I with I told it. you, look, they don't give me too long. They're like, all right, now we let you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Hi, guys. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, so um, what was the question again? I'm sorry. Asking about the guys that they got in the receiver's room now in Chapel Hill. Okay, yeah, man. Uh, those guys, man, especially uh, Diami. 
I've worked with him um, probably a few months back. Um, Charlotte kid, yeah. Yeah, here in Charlotte. So, you know, he's a he's a good kid, man. I like um, I like all of the wide receivers for real, man. They all they all can go. So um, the team, though, I like what Matt Brown is doing. I like what Coach is doing with the whole organization and the, and the team. He's bringing life into it. Mm-hmm. Man, I wish we would have had that dope uh, indoor practice facility with that Jordan logo. <laughs> really? Man. I mean, that's just whew, it's sharp. <laughs> Man, I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> well, and the I, new locker room. Yeah. <laughs> that's one thing Mike Brown's doing is looking after guys. One more question. We'll let you go. Give me one thing, one thing that you would tell young people about being able to play football um, throughout their life and at a high level. What's one bit of advice you give the young crowd? Man, if you love it, man, go hard, go hard at it, man. And you got to work extremely hard. It don't come easy. I know it might look like it come easy, but, it it takes a lot of a lot of years of hard work. Like I tell my guys now, and they like, how old were you when you started playing football? Ten. So you know what I mean. So it was like from ten years old to twenty seven. I think that's when I had to take my first break from football. And the first year, I was like, Oof, man, this is weird. I don't know what to do with myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I got to train. I got to play. I used to locker room talk everything. But, you know, after that, man, it goes by. You just put all the energy into your kids and your family, man, and it, it, it gets good. What's it? Let me see that hat now. You, oh, yeah. Chapel Hill Carolina versus all, all y'all. Okay. <laughs> we we need to check out that kind of swag now. We might need to talk after this one. Hakeem, look, I, I know you're a busy man. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, it's been fun texting back and forth and um, talking to you. I hope maybe one day, if we have a season, we can get together talk about it. And, uh, man, we we'll love that. We'll yeah, love that. and um, you know, we talked to Janoris a couple weeks ago, and he was in the same situation. You know, it was all about his family, mm-hmm. um, but that love for Carolina is pretty strong throughout all oh, yeah. you guys. Oh yeah, man, we got to man. It molded us. It molded us into young men. It yep. sent us off into the world. <laughs> yeah, and y'all have certainly done well with it. We appreciate it, Hakeem. I'll let you get back to your family, your kids, and your training, and uh, we'll talk again soon, man. Appreciate it, All right, man. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate y'all. I'll talk to y'all soon. All right. See you good. Later. Later. Joey, um, you know, he's probably one of my favorite Carolina football players over the last 20 years. And the reason I ask him about the last few years with his whatever you call it that's going on with Carolina, um, stand-up answer and – you know, it's why he's the guy he is today and why he's so universally loved, I think, by Carolina fans. It's so funny when he plays, especially when he was on campus in Chapel Hill, he played like a grown man. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to take a little bit further that answer he just gave you about what happened at the end of his career with benefits or whatever. That was a grown man answer. That was a grown man kind of being very forthcoming, being vulnerable and being honest. And I think that you know, it, it's – he probably – he's probably got some of that as who he is, but he's – I guarantee you it's something that's probably served him well as he's gotten older and, and from what he's seen in the league. And now, God knows, being a dad will make you – will turn you into an honest man. So Yeah, uh, he's, got, I, he's got those little ones. Whew. I appreciate him being so forthcoming and just open it up with us about, you know, I mean, sharing the little story about Tom Coughlin and – you know, his, his willingness to just try to talk about all these little things. That's one of the things I love about when guys are willing to sit down with us and talk about this stuff. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's fascinating to get sort of behind-the-curtain look. and um, That's what a 40 club's about, man. Yeah, the 40 club. And you saw when I was mentioning that, when I was talking about the name of this podcast, he was shaking his head like, yeah, absolutely. I think it works. Yeah, it's going to be fun uh, for everybody listening to this podcast. I'm going to tease something that's maybe going down – in the next few weeks, we're going to have a lot more of these uh, former player type discussions, maybe even have a group of them. We got things cooking, things yep. cooking. Things are Speak- in the, in the oven. Speaking of cooking, I, I like my hat. You that like is that? Uh, it's impressive. Where'd you get that? Well, who who hooked you up on that? You like a, my uh, podcast mug? This is a, <laughs> it's a, almost as much as I like my tumbler. Um, if you like this hat, all right. And for those of you who are listening and aren't watching, Check it out on YouTube. It's a very special edition. I think it's one of 10 in existence in, inside Carolina. 
trucker hat with the nice IC branded logo. If you would like to uh, order something like this, if it, if it were to become available, I'm just going to tell you guys, you should shoot a message, an inbox message or an email to Buck Sanders and let him know that this is the type of thing you might be willing to purchase if said were available on the marketplace on InsideCarolina.com. Just throwing that out there because I know my drip right now is nice. It's clean. This is the first time I've ever even worn this hat. So. Indeed. It, it, to the folks that tailgated us, tailgated with us when we were doing WCHL pregame show out there in the Bowls lot this past year in 2019, you've seen the hats um, and you've had the opportunity to get the hats. But other people, if you'd like one, hit me up, hit Buck up, let them know. Uh, there's a lot of swag to be had. We can't do the swag like Hakeem Nix had in right. his room. <laughs> That's a different level. With, with a Super Bowl jersey right. and, a, and a bowl Before game gloves. jersey. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, certainly some opportunities out there. Look, I want to thank Johnny T-Shirt because they are the ultimate Carolina swag group. Absolutely. You go online, uh, johnnytshirt.com. Go see them on Franklin Street. They will hook you up with anything you ever need. They've got the this, this 70% off stuff. They've got sales constantly. If you don't find what you want, they'll have it in. And if you don't find it what, what you want at the price you want, they'll have a sale. They have them all the time. Joey knows it. I I'm know a Nike it. guy. They got Nike, they got Nike stuff just out the ear. So. Yeah. Anything you could possibly want Carolina-related, Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com certainly sponsors of this podcast. We talk about them all the time because they are the place to be for your Carolina gear. Rate us, review us on iTunes or Stitcher or however you get your podcast. Spotify. Yep, YouTube, wherever it is. I think it's like right here, somewhere on there. Subscribe to the there. YouTube channel. It's, uh, I've tried to perfect it, pointing down. <laughs> Look. Shoot us an idea for who you want us to talk to. Shoot us an idea of what you want to do. This is the 40-year club podcast. I think Pokemon has a 40-club podcast, so we might have yeah. to go with 40-year podcast. But. We did some research, and it, it was, it was quite, <laughs> quite unfortunate, the other name of, of, I think it was, the yeah, actually the 40-club. It was about some sort of Pokemon garbage. But we'll, we'll, we'll get this thing wordsmith and, and figure it out and run it by our big-time lawyers and copyright attorneys <laughs> and all that. Indeed, we will. Joey, it's always been a pleasure. Shout out to Hakeem Nix again. Um, if we can get him back on down the road, that'll be a, a positive thing. But Joey, I appreciate you taking time to do it with me today. Anytime, buddy. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, shit. what'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.